0: Welcome to Face to Face Broadcast. Enjoy the dynamic teaching ministry of Pastor Tibby Peters, the President of Renaissance Assembly Incorporated. This message will take you from where you are to where you ought to be. I'll try to give some background so we can all flow with what the Spirit of God is doing. Hallelujah. But I know that you are in for something big. And something life changing. Glory to God. There is no better time to live in than now. I don't desire to be in the days of Moses. I don't desire to be in the days of Elijah. I don't desire to be in the days of Jeremiah. Because Jeremiah, Elijah, Moses desire to be in my own day angels also desire and even look into these things we are discussing hallelujah but it is given to us to know the mysteries of the kingdom it is given to you and I to know these things, glory to God and that's why when the word is coming you understand because it is given to you to understand lift your right hand and say I received tonight light is coming to my spirit amen glory to Jesus now don't allow anybody to distract you. If you're taking notes, take your notes. Listen. You listen with your heart. But you know that your body can control and affect how your how receptive your heart is. So you focus on what's happening in front. If a baby is crying, just quickly take the baby out. Hallelujah. Okay? Because I keep hearing babies preaching with me and the tapes. Amen. Glory to God. So if the baby is crying, the baby's is... Don't be slow. Be fast. Amen. Alright? Babies will cry. That's normal. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. Um, Before I get into what we have for tonight, I'd like to mention the scripture we focused on last night. Hallelujah. Malachi chapter 3. In Malachi 3 verse 1, we were looking at something and I told you about Christ being the messenger of the covenant. Hallelujah. And if you have been listening and following, we've been talking specifically about this covenant that we're in. And we're not here discussing matters That Moses discussed. Amen. We're discussing matters that concern Christ. Amen. In Malachi 3 verse 1, I'd like us to read it together. Want to go. Behold, I will send my messenger and he shall prepare the way before me and the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. Now in this scripture, I pointed out something to you, that you see the word, or the first phrase there, my messenger. Everybody say my messenger. Then you also see the next one, the messenger of the covenant. It was not talking about the same person. Glory to God. My messenger there, was talking about John the Baptist, and the role he was going to play, before Christ, the messenger of the covenant, will show up. Glory to God. And this scripture is announcing to us that Christ is standing and stood as the messenger, the bearer, the deliverer, the bringer of the covenant. And now we know that this time Malachi was speaking, there was already a covenant. And there was the Mosaic covenant, the law was already in existence when Malachi was speaking. That means he was not talking about the Mosaic covenant. So Christ was not the messenger or the bringer of the Mosaic covenant. He was the he is the messenger of what? The new covenant. We also know that because Hebrews told us more than once referred to Jesus as the mediator. Everybody say mediator of what? Of the new covenant. There's something we pointed out yesterday, you could get a tape and listen to it. That Christ. Is the object of the covenant. And is also the basis for the covenant. Hallelujah. It means that the covenant that God has. That we are in so to speak. The new covenant. Is not a covenant between us and God. It was a covenant between Jesus. Hallelujah. And God. Amen. And then through our faith in Jesus. We were brought into the covenant. Am I communicating? Now, we established that. We read the scriptures in Galatians 3.16 where the Bible told us about the fact that when God made a promise, He made it to a seed, not seeds as of many. And that seed is Christ. That means the covenant God caught with Jesus is what we are enjoying today. Amen. Are we together? And that makes you understand the, the immutability of the covenant. Hallelujah how indestructive, how dependent the covenant is. Jesus also stands as the guarantor, the surety. glory to God, of this covenant that we're in. So the covenant is not dependent on you, it's dependent on Jesus. These thoughts help the believer learn about how secure he is in Christ. It points us to what eternal security really is. Now the scripture there we read in Malachi 3 said the messenger of the covenant whom ye seek, hallelujah shall suddenly come to his temple. It was a prophecy talking about how you will identify him. That he will suddenly come into the temple. And he called the temple his temple. Glory to God. He called the temple his temple. That this messenger of the covenant. See, one of the reasons why, see the prophecies of the Old Testament were precise. They were not vague statements that maybe in four or five ways it would have still happened. No. They were specific statements. So he said, this messenger of the covenant, he will suddenly come to his temple. Now we know that when Jesus was born as an infant, he was brought to the temple. Amen. And when he was brought to the temple, we saw Simeon and Anna come and say, hey, now our eyes have seen him. We can die. Are you understanding me? Now that could be said to say he came. No, but he was brought at that time. The second time we see Jesus in the temple was when they came for the Passover feast and his parents were leaving and they forgot him in Jerusalem. Remember the story? And when they forgot him in Jerusalem, they came back after a while and they met him in the temple. Suddenly, he was in his temple. Amen. Fulfilling Malachi 3 verse 1. You can even go further the third time in Matthew 21 about the 12th verse about how Jesus came with a whip and came into the temple and whipped them out and said, this is my father's house. By making that statement that is the father's house, he was alluding that he is the messenger of the covenants. Are you understanding me? See, in biblical interpretation, you see, there are layers of interpretation. Are we together? There are layers of interpretation. Now, you've heard me say this several times, that the book of Genesis is a very, very important book. If you are a Christian and you're a Bible scholar, and you really want to understand the scriptures, you must love the book of Genesis. Because Genesis is the seedbed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The seedbed of all Bible revelation. That means that any truth that is projected in the Bible or talked about or spoken of in the Bible, you can find it in seed form in Genesis. If you don't find it in seed form in Genesis, likely there's no truth to it. Are we together? So what we talk about, you know, some will make statements, somebody said that, you know, in trying to explain that a scripture shouldn't be taken out of context. And I agree that scripture shouldn't be taken out of context. But some all misunderstand what it means for a scripture not to be taken out of context. And they say a scripture cannot mean what it didn't mean. No, no, you're not actually correct. You're not actually correct. Because there are layers of interpretation. Glory to God even among the hebrew writers in their talmud they agree that there are layers the same way you have an onions you understand that and when you open the onions you see different layers of the onion until you meet the center amen that's how scripture is glory to god there are layers of interpretation and if you if you read there's a principle they used to interpret bible translation. i've talked about about four different layers of interpretation there is a simple and plain meaning of the scripture meaning that when the, Preacher, the prophet was speaking, he might have been referring to something that was happening at that moment. That's the plain interpretation. That's the simple interpretation. That's the direct interpretation. That's the first layer. So it could be, let's give an example. Um, um, Abraham was with his son. All right. He was with his son um, Isaac. Then he says, God will provide a lamb. He was actually talking about something in the now. Hallelujah. Alright? The direct interpretation was that there's no lamb here. God will provide the lamb but there's another layer hallelujah of interpretation which is referred to as the hinted interpretation what is God trying to hint you about I don't want to use the Hebrew term so I'm saying it in English so the hinted interpretation what is he hinting you about and most of the time when you study scriptures in the law or in the prophets it always has that hinted meaning you know it's popular scripture where God God was saying that you shall not muzzle the ox that traded out the corn. amen you know that scripture now, the general meaning is that if an ox is walking, allow it to eat what is walking. But there is a deeper meaning to what he was saying. Are you understanding me? Alright, when Paul was teaching, he now said, what's God talking about ox? God was not talking about ox. He was talking about the preacher. The preacher is the ox. Amen. That when he's carrying out the work of the ministry, allow him partake of his work. Are you understanding me? So there are layers of interpretation of scripture. Then you have the hinted meaning. Then you have the conceptual meaning. Which means that out of it you can bring out a lesson or a sermon. But the fourth layer is the hidden meaning of that scripture. And that can only be revealed by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Am I communicating? So, when people talk about Bible interpretation, I want you to understand that this is just free of charge. Take that one and go. Now, understand that there are layers of Bible interpretation. So, in this scripture here, in Malachi 3, He said, he shall suddenly come to his temple. It could be hinting us that this Messiah truly, in Matthew 21, he appeared in his temple. Are you understanding me? He appeared in the temple and used um um, whips and whipped people out of the temple and said, this is my father's house. He was a hint that he is the messenger of the covenant. That suddenly, he just suddenly came to the temple. But at the same time, There's a deeper meaning. Glory to God. The deeper meaning was when Jesus stood in front of this temple. And he was looking at temple. But he said, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. Amen. Are we together? He he was not talking about a physical temple now. He was talking about his body as the temple. In essence, the hint Jesus was giving was that God will come and tabernacle in temple of flesh. Amen. Suddenly, glory to God. Are you understanding me? That's another meaning to it. If you want to go further to a deeper meaning, he was trying to also say that this God will suddenly come into his temple, which is us, you and I. The church is known as God's habitation. Amen. Are you with me? Now, we can go on and on, but see, these scriptures you read, they are spirit and life. They are spirit and life. Understand it. So, we are Partakers of a new covenant. You know, I made a statement. I'll just recap on it. The gospel, this gospel of Jesus Christ, is not an afterthought of God. Are we together? No, it's not an afterthought. It's not like, oh God, later God, I say, ah, oh, okay, I'm going to send Jesus. No, 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 no. I said the gospel is a forethought of God. Hallelujah. That means that before time God already wanted This is the main thing that God wanted to do In the same way When you see a fruit on a tree You see a mango fruit on a tree The mango fruit is not An afterthought of the tree The seed carried the fruit Inside it when you were planting it Am I communicating The seed for someone to be planting A seed in the ground What he has in mind is fruit As the end result So, Jesus was not an afterthought. Amen. Am I communicating? And as I see from scriptures, right from Genesis, you see it clearly stated that the seed of the woman shall bruise the head of the serpent in Genesis. Talking already that Jesus will come and he will suffer. Hallelujah. And then man will be liberated. This is the covenant you are in. This is the covenant you are in. Listen to me. The covenant is not dependent on you. Ha, ha ha The covenant is not dependent on you. It's not dependent on you. It's not dependent on you at all. You know, if you observe, there is what we call a bloodless gospel. Are you understanding me? A gospel without blood. A bloodless gospel. People are preaching a bloodless gospel. A gospel of by your power, by your strength, by your might. Are you understanding me? A gospel of human effort. That's not the gospel of Christ. That's not the gospel of Christ. Now, you begin to understand what Paul was saying in Romans 1.16 when he said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. What was he saying? He said, I'm not ashamed to talk about blood. Amen. No, no. I'm not ashamed to talk about blood. No, no, no. I'm not ashamed of of, of the gospel that talks of blood. I don't know for you if you are studying around a bloodless gospel. If you are exercising yourself in a bloodless gospel. The gospel of Christ is the lamb slain gospel. It's a blood stained gospel. It's a bloody matter. Amen. From start to finish. Are you understanding me? You cannot talk about the gospel and not talk about blood. Alright. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 12 verse 24 unto Jesus The mediator of the new covenant. And to the blood of sprinkling. That speaketh better things than that of Abel. I read from verse 22. My message is titled, There is blood in Zion. In Hebrews 12 verse 22, It says, But ye are come unto Mount Zion. It didn't say you are coming. You have come. You have come. The previous verses you read from verse 18, he talked about how the people of Israel came to a mount. He called it Sinai, Mount Sinai. On that mount, there was fear, there was trembling. There was, you know, there was the the people were not at peace with God. They were afraid of God. Even Moses testified. He said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But he said, That's not the mountain you have come to when you got born again. Are you hearing me? That's not the mountain you came to when you got born again. You came to Mount Zion. Amen. Now understand the difference. He didn't say you are coming. You have already come. The day you got born again, where you arrived at is Mount Zion. When you got born again, you entered into a city. Glory to God. Are you understanding me? You, 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 you had a, you had access into that city by your salvation. And that city is what is described here. It's called Mount Zion. It's called the city of the living God. It's called the heavenly Jerusalem, meaning it's the capital of God, hallelujah it's a place where you are now in the midst of an innumerable company of angels it means that this place you enter there's no demonic activity around you anymore are you understanding me, mean? the spiritual activity going on around you is carried out by angelic spirits that's where you've come to, verse 23 it says you have come to the general assembly and church of the firstborn which are written in heaven Listen to me, the place you've come to, your name has been, your name is recorded. Amen. You are not there in a passive way. You are there in a permanent way. You didn't, you were not included to be excluded later. No. And to God the judge of all and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Verse 24, he says, you have come to Jesus. Say, I've come to Jesus. He called him the mediator of the new covenant. That means you've also come into the covenant. Amen. Say I'm in covenant. Say I'm in covenant. And to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. You know, I, I want to talk a little about covenant before I come into this blood matter. Amen. You know, sometimes we, we, we've become so civilized that we don't really understand how weighty the word covenant is. The word covenant, how weighty it is, how deep it is, how, 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 how severe it is. Glory to God. Now, because in the world that we live in today, most of the time when we have human transactions and business deals, we do have agreements and they are signed by signature. You understand that? By people's handwriting. You understand that? Someone writes, signs a signature. And then they they, they struck the deal. The contract is binding. But listen to me: the covenant is not a civil contract; it's a contract of spirits. Are you understanding me? It's a contract between spirits. It's not a physical contract. It's not an emotional contract. It's a spiritual contract. And how that contract is cut? The word covenant actually means to cut. It means that it is signed in blood. It is signed in blood. Now, Jesus entered into a covenant with God on your behalf. I've explained that before to you. How? God tried to get into a covenant with the Jewish people. And then they had to use animal blood, glory to God, to come into covenants. And then Moses was the middleman. Now God and people. But they took animal blood. And when they did that, they sprinkled the blood on the mercy seat and all the vessels of, of, of the tabernacle. Meaning that these people have gone into co- covenants. In this covenant, God told them what He wanted. They agreed to God's demands. Are you understanding me? Mean? So the terms of the covenant were spelled out by God. You could study that in Exodus 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, into 24. you find that the, God sp- spelled out the, the, the terms of the covenant. When two people come into covenants. Alright. So let me just explain the covenant ceremony to you. In the covenant ceremony. The first thing is that they negotiate the terms of the covenant. What will you do for me? It has to be between a weaker and a stronger person. Sometimes tribes. A weak tribe and a strong tribe. Are you with me? And then this weak tribe. Maybe. Or tribes that have things that this other one doesn't have. So there is an exchange. Glory to God. All right, a tribe could be a farming tribe, another tribe could be a hunting tribe. Then they said, um, uh, 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 sorry, a war, a war, uh, a warring tribe. The warring tribe will say, look, anytime there is war, we'll protect you, but you will provide us food. Do we agree? Say yes. Now that means that anybody that attacks you has attacked us. Are you understanding me? And any, see, in the same way, if we are hungry, if you we are hungry, you are hungry too. Are you understanding me? So we will not be hungry, and you will be protected. Are you with me? So we come into a covenant, but we don't just talk. We agree, negotiate the terms of the covenant. After negotiating, the next thing they now do is, they have the terms of the covenant. Then they take an animal, are you with me? And they will split the carcass of that animal from the middle down, in order not to break a bone. Are you understanding me? They will split it in two different ways. They will put one on this side and put one on that side. And when they split the animal, there will be a trail of blood in between. Sometimes not just one animal, it could be three animals or more. And then they will put the carcass on both sides. And then when they do that, a representative from this tribe and a representative from the other tribe will walk through that trail of blood. Are you understanding me? Are you understanding me? They will walk through that trail of blood. And then they will agree, declare to each other what they are going to do. And the punishment for not doing it. Then they exchange coats. You take your clothing, I take yours. As a sign that we have exchanged authority. Are you understanding me? They will also exchange weapons. Meaning that your strength is my strength. Are you with me? Then after that they will eat together. It's done. If anybody breaches that covenant, death is the only answer. Are you understanding me? That covenant was sealed with animal blood. God entered into a covenant with mankind, but now mankind has the ability to fail God. So Jesus Christ came as a human, hallelujah, and took the place of mankind and entered into a covenant with God on behalf of all of mankind. Are you understanding me? So as long as God is concerned, man and him have entered into a covenant. And now, the only way a man can benefit from that covenant is that he has to believe in this Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. Are you hearing me? Mean? That's, that's, that's the gospel. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. That's the summary of the gospel. Now, when you see people preaching a godless gospel, there's some, there's a bloodless gospel, that's some people that say a lot of things, and you begin to wonder where they got it from. I, on the first day, I, I taught you something, I mentioned it. I said, in actual fact, if you read the scriptures carefully, you will never find anywhere where the Bible says you should give your life to Christ. It never said so. You have nothing to give. Amen. No, no, you have nothing to give. You have nothing to give. You have nothing to give. It is the practice and the understanding of law that makes people talk like that. He said, have you given your life to Christ? Do you even know? It never even says you should invite Jesus into your heart. disciples you never said so. What it always said is receive. Receive Christ. Receive Christ. Receive eternal life. Receive the Holy Spirit. Meaning that you are the recipient and nothing more. Hallelujah. He is the giver and nothing less. Are you understanding me? So, you, you, your job is to receive. And do you know that... Hey! I've seen... I've entered where I won't come out quick. Do you know that... This gospel... Let me even use the law to explain something to you. In the law, you know, because some people think that if what makes someone born again is remorse for his sin. It's not remorse that makes a man saved. There are many remorse people, people that are not saved. It's not remorse. See, it's not by remorse that someone gets born again. I feel bad about all my sins. No, no, no. Now, I don't misunderstand me about being convicted by the spirits conviction of the spirit means that the spirit of God begins to point you to Jesus and he can use anything to point you to Jesus amen but what I'm trying to say a man cannot just sit down and be remorseful and then because he's remorseful he will go to heaven no remorse is not the ticket to heaven nobody nobody goes to heaven on any other ticket apart from blood stained tickets if there's no blood there's no access are you understanding me are you understanding me if there's no blood, there's no access. If you don't understand that, you know, you will not understand why the Bible says that there's no other name under heaven by which a man will be saved Acts five twelve. You will not understand it because it's trying to point you to the fact that salvation is solely by blood. Amen. So if somebody is preaching to you and say just be good, you understand that? Just be good. Just just be good. Be courageous. You know, maybe you will go to heaven. They told you a lie. Amen. No, no, no. Nobody is going to heaven because of their good works. They are going to heaven because of the works of Christ on our behalf. The finished work of Christ. That's the reason we're going to heaven. Now, if that is not clear to you, you will keep struggling in life. You understand that? So you have a lot of people that are remorseful, but they've not not—they've not heard the gospel. And nobody can be saved if he does not hear the gospel. Are you understanding me? not a gospel the gospel everybody say the gospel paul spoke so much about the gospel paul spoke so much about the gospel you know before i come to that in 2 timothy 2:15 paul was writing he says study to show yourself approved unto god a workman that need not be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth now word of truth was paul's language everybody say word of truth so he called it said rightly dividing the word of truth now we see Paul again tell us in Ephesians 1. Give me verse 14. In Ephesians 1, 14. Uh, let me read. I'm going to read. Give me from 12. That we should be to the praise of his glory. Who first trusted in Christ. Keep going down. Good. Verse 13 is what I was looking for. In whom ye also trusted. After that what? Ye heard, what did you hear? The word of truth. Then he told us what the word of truth is. What's the word of truth? The gospel of your salvation. Amen. So the word of truth is the gospel. Amen. Are we together? The word of truth is the gospel of your salvation. It has to be heard before it can be believed. And understand something about the gospel. This gospel we're talking about. The gospel is not, I've said it several times, the gospel is not, the soul that sinner shall die. That's not the gospel. Repent! The kingdom of God is at hand. That's not the gospel of Christ. The gospel is not if you do good kingdom. That's not the gospel. Neither is the gospel. Heaven is real. Hell is real. That's not the gospel. That statement is true. But it is not the gospel of Christ. The totality of the gospel is in 1 Corinthians 15 from verse 1 to 4. That's the summary of the gospel of Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 4 is a summary of the gospel. And I'll tell you five components of this gospel. Are you understanding me? Five components. If these things are not in it, then it's a bloodless gospel you are preaching. Amen. Are you understanding me? All right. The components of the gospel. Look at it now. He said, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. This is the gospel I preached. This is the gospel Paul and Pastor T.B. preached. Which also ye have received, and wherein you stand. Verse 2. By which also ye are saved. Does this gospel saved you? If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you are believing in vain. Verse 3. For I delivered unto you first of all, that which I also received. How that Christ died for our sins. Amen. According to the scriptures. Verse, verse 4 and the last. And that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day. According to the scriptures. So what are the components of the gospel? The five components. Number one. Verse 3. Is that Christ died. Amen. That's the first thing. Everyone say Christ died. The first component of the gospel is that Christ died. was say Christ died. Anything that tries to bypass the death has missed the point. Amen. Are you understanding me? Christ died. It must be contained in your preaching. Christ died. Don't be ashamed to say it. Christ died. That's the first component of the gospel. The second component is that he didn't die as a matter; It's for our sins. For our sins. For our sins. That's the second component that must be contained in the gospel. He died for our sins. He didn't die as a martyr. He didn't die because he was fighting for his country. He died for our sins. He was a substitutionary sacrifice. He was a lamb, hallelujah, that was slain for us. Number three, go to verse four. He was buried. Amen. Say he was buried. You know, there's some people that have agreed that Christ died. They don't understand that the burial path was a path. It was in the place of burial, he made a public spectacle of Satan. Are you understanding me? So if you miss out that part, you won't have victory over Satan. Are you understanding me? He made a public spectacle of Satan. It was when he was buried. So it's not enough to know what happened when, um, before he died. It's important to know what happened after he died. What happened in the grave. The third component is what I just told you now. He was what? Buried. The fourth component of the gospel is that he rose again. Say he rose again. He rose again. He rose again. Hallelujah. That means that he is alive. Jesus declared in Revelation 1.18 He said, I am he that was dead and I am alive. I he that lived and was dead and I am alive forevermore. That means I am not going to die again. Never, never, never. Glory to God. In the same way, death has no dominion over him anymore. Those that believe in him also have victory over death. Amen. Amen. Believers don't die. They sleep. Oh, glory to God. Alright, let's come here. So the third, the fourth one now is that he rose again. The fifth one and the fifth component of the gospel is that it has to be according to the scriptures was say, according to the scriptures. According to the scriptures. Are you understanding me? So, in the gospel you preach, it has to match with all the prophets and the law. Jesus came and said that, look, 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 the Psalms, the law, and the prophets, they all spoke of me. Even Jesus was telling them in John 5 verse 46, he said, look, 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 Moses, if you had believed Moses, you would have believed me, because Moses wrote about me. Amen. Are you understanding me? Now I'm totally off my message. <laughs> Amen. Glory to God. But you know, see, as I'm ministering, it's the way people are receiving that is determining the direction I'm passing. You know, the, as I stand and I'm talking, sometimes eight to ten scriptures are coming to my mouth at the same time. I have to select the one to use. Amen. Glory to God. All right. So get it. Say that's the gospel. Say those are the components of the gospel. So let's mention it together. Number one, what's the first component? Christ died. What's the second one? For our sins. What's the third one? He was, he was buried. What's the fourth one? He rose again. What's the fifth one? According to the scriptures. Amen. If you don't follow these paths, then you are preaching a bloodless gospel. Amen. And a bloodless gospel cannot save any man. It can make a man religious. But it can never produce life-saving power in a man's spirit. Today, some of you as you are hearing it, you want to give your life to Christ. Because now you are hearing what the gospel is. The gospel is not repair your behavior. That's not the gospel. The gospel is that someone... Had paid for you. Believe in what he has done. And the power of that cross will speak in your life. Are we together? So we have come to Mount Zion. Say I've come to Mount Zion. I've come to a city that God owns. I've come to an innumerable company of angels. I've come to blood. Say there is blood in Zion. Glory to God. There is blood in Zion. And I give God praise that I'm part of this. Now, but since we're here in Hebrews 12, let me follow that path. Verse 24. It says, unto Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. And to the blood of sprinkling. Now, the blood of sprinkling that speaketh. Hallelujah we can sit here for one week and we will not be through. The blood that speaketh. You are not involved with a blood that is silent. Are you understanding me? You are not involved with a blood that is silent about your affairs. This blood is not silent about your affairs. A blood that speaketh. Now understand that speaketh is, is Old English. That speaks... It's not the blood that spoke. It's not the blood that will speak. It's the blood that speaks. From the moment it was shed, it started speaking, and it has not stopped speaking, and will not stop speaking. He didn't hear me. He didn't hear me. He didn't hear me. From the moment that blood was shed, it has not stopped speaking. It will not stop speaking. It started speaking from the moment it was shed. And he's speaking favorable things about you. He said good things are spoken of you. Amen. Glory to God. That's what the blood is speaking. The blood speaks. The blood speaks. He didn't say the blood that was sprinkled. He said the blood of sprinkling. Are you understanding me? Hey, hey, hey. hey permit me to just go back a bit and show you something Zechariah said in the 13th chapter of Zechariah verse 1. Zechariah prophesied glory to God that something is going to happen he said in that day thank God Pastor TB is living in that day he said there shall be a fountain it's not a fountain of water how do we know because when that fountain is open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem which we are It will be for their sin. It will be for uncleanness. We know that water cannot wash away sin. We know that water cannot wash away uncleanness of spirit. So this fountain is obviously a fountain of blood. Hallelujah. I'm living in that day. Glory to God. God has opened to me a fountain of blood. So Zechariah prophesied about this fountain of blood that will be opened to the house of David and that fountain will be for sin and for uncleanness. And now Hebrews tells us that we have come to a blood of sprinkling. Amen. Glory to God. A blood of sprinkling. A blood of sprinkling that speaks. Then it tells us, hey, the quality of what it is speaking, the quality of what it is saying, it it speaks better things. Than that of Abel. Oh, why will he mention Abel? Why will he mention Abel? Because he wants us to understand what blood is. What blood does. And the advantage the blood man has. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He wants you to understand that. So he mentioned Abel's sacrifice. He mentioned Abel's death. Abel's blood. We know in Genesis the third chapter. Into the fourth chapter. In chapter 4, the Bible told us about Cain. He was born. And his brother Abel also was born. And then the Bible told us that Cain offered unto God an offering. Abel also offered unto God an offering. Offerings were already offered. Now, the scripture took time. To tell us the profession of Cain and tell us the profession of Abel. That Cain was in the agricultural sector while Abel also was agricultural, sector, but not into plants. He was into animal livestock. Now you say, well, well, the reason why God accepted his sacrifice is because he was into livestock. No. Yes, he was a keeper of sheep and Cain was a tiller of the ground, but that's not the reason. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. There is no business in this world that is the business that makes somebody rich. It is business that is connected to blood. That's, are you understanding me? Business that is connected to blood. What made Abel's business succeed and his offering accepted was that there was blood in it. I want blood to be in your sacrifice. I want blood to be in your endeavors. And that's what we're talking about, the fact that there is blood in Zion. Cain offered a bloodless sacrifice. So it means Cain was standing purely on his efforts. Abel offered the sacrifice that had blood. And his offering and sacrifice was accepted. Now, that's not the path now. The path that concerns us is that Cain killed Abel. And Cain killed Abel. And when he killed him, God started asking questions. He said, where is your brother Cain? Um, Abel. Cain said, am I my brother's keeper? There are many things in that scripture, so many things we can't even begin to deal with today. But one of the things I want to show you is to make you understand how God related before the law. Amen. How God related. You see God's relationship with Adam, God's relationship with Eve, God's relationship with Cain, are you understanding me? Before the law. You can see it was cordial. Are you understanding me? God was not that fairy, fairy. Are you understanding me? God was surprised when he came to the garden and Adam was hiding. He was surprised. He didn't say, yes, they are supposed to run. Am I not God? They are supposed to run. No, no, no. He said, Adam, where are you? That's, I came yesterday, we spoke. I came the day before, we spoke. Now I've come again, where are you? He said, I was, I heard your voice. And I I was, because I was naked, I hid myself. That means, God didn't expect that. Are you understanding me? We also see God talking to Cain. Cain didn't look like someone that was afraid of God. When God said, Cain, uh, he said, uh-huh. He didn't say. He didn't say. Speak for your servant. Hear it. That was after the law. People start talking like that. Is when the law came. Fear and everything came. God was misrepresented by the law. So, see the discussion between Cain. I said, I know not. Even ask God a question. Am I my brother's keeper? God did not remove his head from his neck. God did not say, that mouth, you used to talk to me. <laughs> are you understanding me? Are you understanding me? No, 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 no. Am I my brother? Now, even, even some of you, some of you, you are just, you are just 15 years old. Your 12 year old or 10 year old brother told you like that. Am I my, as he's even saying itself, <laughs> as even saying itself, the hand of the Lord. Are you understanding me? (laughs) Are you understanding me? But imagine Cain was talking to the Almighty God. It makes you understand that how God's relationship was. I can go on, I could end, I could end the message here. But you know, Cain now said, he said, Am I my brother's keeper? God now said tell him what actually the consequence or what he has done, he said, "The voice of your blood's blood cried to me from the ground. It came from your hand. It's crying to me from the ground." Then he told himself, No what will happen? The earth will no more yield her fruit to you, because even the earth is angry, because innocent blood has been shed.'" Let me finish with Cain, I'll come back to the blood. Cain, after that, you know, you know the story. God now said you will wander and, and drove him from the presence of the Lord and, and, you know, and I was still saying, he was still praying and God was still answering his prayer. Amen. How do we know? He said, look, this thing you have said to me now to go, someone will just see me and kill me. The, the, the punishment is too much for me, oh. You'll be doing you do small, small. He was not even, are you saying he was not even apologizing? And God again now said, God put, and put a mark on him. So that anybody that sees him will not kill him. That means God didn't still want him dead even after he had killed somebody. Let's leave Cain. Now, Abel had died. The voice of Abel's blood. Now, we don't even need to go far. It means that blood has a voice. Say, blood has a voice. Say, blood has a voice. Say it again, blood has a voice. Remember that Abel's blood was shed on the earth. God in heaven heard the voice of the blood on earth. In the same way, the blood of Jesus was shed on earth. And the heaven also hears the voice of the blood of Christ That was shed on the earth The voice of the blood that was shed Cried out and the earth answered it And the earth held back increase and fruit from it Now the blood of Jesus was shed for us And when it was shed it touched this earth The earth heard it and released increase to you And yielded fruit to you, amen Are you with me? Hey, say blood has a voice. Say blood has a voice. And now the Bible tells us that this blood speaks. It speaks. And what it is speaking is better than what Abel's blood was speaking. It means that it is completely opposite of what Abel's blood was crying out for. Abel's blood was crying out for vengeance and judgment, but the blood of Jesus is crying mercy, 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 mercy. Are you understanding me? It is saying mercy once. It's still saying mercy as I speak. As I speak, it's still saying mercy. As I speak, the blood is still saying mercy. It will never stop saying mercy. Glory to God. Say, I've come to blood. Say, there's blood in Zion. Say again, there's blood in Zion. You know, God began to teach them some things. You understand that? You see, this idea of blood. You need to understand that this world, this world. The greatest, greatest purchasing power any man can have. Is with blood. Blood can do what money cannot do. Blood can buy what money cannot buy. We're coming there. But now, understand something here. God had to make them understand how spiritual things work. Man is a spirit. God had to train him in spirituals. In spirituals. Are you with me? He had to train him in spirituals. So when Adam sinned, you know the story. Blood sacrifice started with God. Hallelujah. I hope you know that. It didn't start with man. It started with God. After God taught man, manna, corrupted it. Are you understanding me? And started using it in another way. Praise God. Are you, are you with me? So ritual killing now started. But, and it didn't start in Nigeria. In First Kings, you see ritual killing. King of Moab. Are you understanding me? You see that? They've already understood that. There's something about blood. So that king, that king, that king of Moab, he was fighting a war against a people that had prophecy over them. A prophecy over them was that they should go to win. And they were winning the battle. And when he saw that there was no other way out, he took his son, the prince of the kingdom, and cut him, and poured his blood on the wall. When that happened, the Bible said there was great indignation. The earth revolted. And the battle changed. When blood shows up, the battle changes. Me. The battle turned. They came in a prophetic word. But blood heh, reversed the matter. <laughs> Are we together? It's the same reason why an unbeliever that knows how to mingle with human blood will be in a contract with a believer that refused to recognize that he also has blood and win the contracts. He said, "In the name of Jesus, you know, I just pray that God just you know, give me the job. Just you know, give me the job. If God just you know, give me that job, I will buy three plastic chairs for another nice assembly. Three plastic chairs for another nice assembly. Amen. The person you are in the, you are bidding for job with, he is thinking about between his mother and his first daughter who is going. <laughs> are you understanding me? <laughs> are you understanding me? Between his mother and first daughter who is going? Yeah, he is thinking mother first daughter because wife has gone to that deal. <laughs> you yeah, understand? Mother first daughter. He's thinking of who to go. You are talking about plastic chair." The moment that blood is shed, everything turns. You just see that everything turns and begins to favor that person. God was the one that taught them about the power that is in blood. Time will fail me, but I'll just give you some scripture. In Genesis 9, you see God was telling them, He said, don't shed the blood of another man. Alright? He said, blood is life. You find also in Leviticus 17. Maybe I'll give you verse 11. We should read that one. In verse 11, God was teaching them about blood. Now He was this in Leviticus. He was incorporating um, blood in the law. Are you understanding? Making understand the importance of blood in the law, in the practice of the law. So He said to them, "For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you. That's this practice. I have given it to you." Upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. That means any time you want to make atonement, use this method. God said, I have given it to you. Then he said, for it is blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. It is blood. Nothing else. You can't appease me with tears. You can't appease me with service. It is blood that maketh atonement for the soul. God had to establish it. Tell them to understand. How do we know? See, I told you that God was the one that said blood sacrifice. In Genesis 3, the Bible told us that after Adam sinned and Eve ate of the fruit, they had sinned. God in Genesis 3, 21, made coats of skins and covered them. Now for the fact that it was a coat of animal skin, we know that he killed an animal and blood was shed. That was the first signal of blood sacrifice. And it was done by God himself. He coated them. Genesis 3.21 And unto Adam also, unto his wife, did the Lord make coats of skins. You know something? When they sinned, they tried to use a way to solve it. They made aprons for themselves with leaves. Figs to cover themselves. Listen to me. Nothing can cover sin. Only blood. So God made a coat of skin and covered them. That was the first sign. I believe that somehow they were thoughts, the importance of what he was doing. So by the time we got to Genesis 4, this was Genesis 3, we saw Abel practicing blood. We went further to Genesis 8. We saw Noah offering an offering that was a sweet smell. The savour was of a sweet smell to God. That means there was blood in it. Then we start going to Abraham. Are you understanding me? Now, by the time you get to Abraham, you find that... I told you we'll do the Bible. So we are now in Genesis 12. Amen. So, Abraham's case. You read that Abraham... Let me just skip to uh, 22. Genesis 22. God now told him, look, bring Isaac, your only son. By that time, Abraham seemed to know the meaning of what he was about to do. I, if you read through the whole, from verse 1 to 8, you will see that blood sacrifice was already the norm in Abraham's day. Amen. Are you with me? was already the norm in Abraham's day. How do we know? Let's just follow the story. Start from verse 1. Genesis 22. And it came to pass after these things, God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. Verse 2. And he said, Take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him therefore a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I tell thee of. Verse 3. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And clave the wood for the burnt offering. Go back to three. And rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Verse four. Then on the third day, everything there just pointed to Jesus. Amen. Abraham lifted up his eye and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go beyond, go yonder and worship and come again to you. Now be careful, six, seven, eight, I'll take it slowly. Follow me now. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac. That was symbolic of Jesus carrying the cross. Abraham in the visions of God had seen God's son die and rise again. Are you understanding me? In the day Abraham lived in, nobody had defeated death. But in the visions of God, Abraham saw Jesus resurrect. And so when God told him to sacrifice his son, he believed he was also be raised up. Amen. Jesus spoke about it in John 8, 56. He said, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. Amen. So Jesus spoke about it. Are we together? So now, this thing Jesus spoke about is what's happening in Genesis 22. So now, the same way Isaac was with the wood is how Jesus carried his cross. Are you understanding me? That picture was about what's going to happen. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. You see the same elements around Jesus. And they went both of them together. Verse 7. And Isaac spake unto Abraham's father and said, my father. And he said, here am I, my son. Now this thing, verse 7 and 8, get it. Say, I'll get it. Say, I'll get it. He said, behold the fire and the wood. Where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Meaning that little Isaac, he was not so young, he was a teenager. Isaac already knew that any time they do sacrifice, they use a lamb. Amen. Because he did not ask where is the chicken? Are you understanding me? He did not ask where is the human being. He said where is the lamb for a burnt?" So he understood what they were going to do because it's something they have done before. Am I communicating? Alright. So he understood what they were going to do. So he said where is the lamb for burnt offering? Where is the lamb for burnt offering? And at that moment Abraham prophesied. And that prophecy has happened to you and I. And that prophecy, has, we have experienced that prophecy. Verse 8. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb. Amen. For a burnt offering. Amen. Say it again. God will provide himself a lamb. It's not us that will bring the lamb. God will provide himself a lamb. I pause. I take you to the law. In the law, when a man sins, he's supposed to go and bring a lamb for his own sin. So he will bring his lamb by himself, drag it, come, come here, you don't want my sin to be forgiven? Come here, you know, he will drag. But lambs are loyal anyway, so they don't make much of a force. They will follow him, and they will take them there and sacrifice them. Now before the law was established, when people sacrificed animals, they could do it in their homes on their own. If you read what happened in Exodus in, the, uh, in, um, in Egypt before they left, they, everybody sacrificed in his house. Are you understanding me? They slew the lamb and put the blood by themselves. When the law was established, God said, "Hey, hey, hey! Don't do it by yourself again, because people are still using it to do ugly things." You could find what I'm saying in Leviticus 16. Now they still do ugly things. Some of them are killing it for rituals and all that. He said, "Anybody that offers a sacrifice except is in the." At the altar or handled by a priest will be cut off from the people. So it was a law. Now you bring the lamb but a priest assigned will be the one to carry out the rituals. Amen. Are you with me? So the Jewish were used to bringing their lamb for their sin. So you were just going on the road. You understand that you committed a sin. you understanding me. Just get your lamb ready. You understand that. And I feel that they, they, that kind of that kind of thing favored the rich. You understand that because you just arrange all your lambs. You understand me. I understand me. You understand that. You know if you know and you, you just take the lambs and for the sacrifice of their sins and all that and all that and all. now. God was looking at all the things they were doing. And it came to a place where he decided that they have been bringing their own lamp. But they have to do this uh, tomorrow. They have to do it next tomorrow. They have to do it next year. They will do it again next month. Every time they have to do it. Let me, myself, provide a lamp for them that will be once and for all. John 1.29 And the next day, John, seeing Jesus from afar, said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away. This Lamb now is the one God is bringing. The Lamb of God. Jesus is the Lamb of God. Jesus is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the whole world. It brings me to atonement versus redemption. Now, in the Old Testament, the Bible tells us something. It said, for in the law, okay, in Hebrews actually, it said, Hebrews 9.20, to put it up, it said, for almost all things by the law are purged by blood. Hallelujah. Then it says, and without shedding of blood is no remission. Hmm. Do you know that what we have in the New Testament far outweighs what they had in the old covenant? In the old covenant, they had the blood of goats and bulls and calves. In this covenant, you have the blood of God. Amen. If the blood of animals could go that far. Amen. And achieve that much. How much more the blood of God. Do you know it's the blood of God we're talking about? Do you know? Some of you are looking at me. Acts twenty I've made up my mind, I'll show you all the scriptures. Acts 20, 28. Let me just show you the blood of God. Acts twenty twenty eight. 28. Quickly. You'll be very fast. Let's read together. I want to go. Fake heed therefore unto yourselves, and unto the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased what? With his own... Is it your blood? Whose blood? So, tell your neighbor, it's God's blood. Amen. Alright, so we go back to atonement. Atonement in the New Testament we don't have an atonement. Did you hear me? The word atonement. Go to Leviticus seventeen eleven. In Leviticus seventeen, 17 eleven we mentioned it earlier. It says, "For the life of the flesh is the blood. I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement." Atonement is the Hebrew word there means something that used to cover. Hallelujah! Is you is a temporary to appease. Are you understanding me? So it covers. In the New Testament, we don't have an atonement. As a matter of fact, the word atonement is not even in the New Testament. You find it in Revelation and Romans five eleven, in uh, the King James version, it was wrongly translated atonement. The word there is reconciliation. Amen. All right, the Greek word is reconciliation. Now, that's the only place you find that. But in the New Testament, we don't have an atonement. It is redemption. Have I said redemption? What is the difference? Atonement means your sins are covered to be dealt with later. And atonement could not take away sin. Hebrews 10 verse 4. Let me show you a few scriptures. Glory to Jesus. Are you there? I will show you Hebrews 10 4. And I was trying to stay here so that we could finish. For it is not possible. Ever says it is not possible, that what that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. So it didn't take away the sins; it covered it. Did you hear? He said it is not possible. Give me verse eleven. We'll stay around here for a while. Give me verse eleven. And every priest Stand it daily, ministering and oftentimes the same sacrifice, which can never, read that last part with me, which can what? Never take away sins. So what they were doing was not taking away sins, it was just covering it. But do you know what the Bible said about what Jesus came to do? John 1.29. Again. Remember this one cannot take away sins. What did Jesus come to do? John 1.29. Let's read together. I want to go. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, what? Behold the lamp of God, which what? Take it away the sin of the whole world. What atonement cannot do is what Jesus came to do. Did you get that? Did you get that? Remember that the blood of bulls could not take away. But the blood of Christ came to take away. Let me add one more scripture for you. Hebrews 9.26 In Hebrews 9.26 it talks, it just emphasizes what I said earlier. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world but now once in the end of the world had he appeared to do what? To put away. I like that. Put away sin. Amen. Say, put away sin. By the sacrifice of himself. So I want you to lift your hand and say sin has been put away. Sin has been dealt with. Glory to Jesus. Say it again. Sin has been dealt with. Glory to Jesus. Now that's very important. Sin has been dealt with. And that's what Jesus came to do. It is that understanding that makes you know That there is therefore now no condemnation. Amen. My sins have been forgiven. Because blood was shed. And that blood is still speaking. As we are here, the blood is speaking. Amen. Glory to God. Is somebody receiving? Can I start? Can I start? the time. Is this one of the days I said we'll close early? <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. Okay. Today is one of the days, eh? Okay. Ha! Thank you, Lord. Say thank you, Lord Jesus. Just pray in tongues for a little while. Thank you, Jesus. We give you praise. Mo shopreti laba shatalaban derebos pregadi etelebos pregadi. Lahas kapratoh pregadi etelebom pregados pregadi. Lahas kapraton pregados pregadi salasa. Lahas kaprotos pregadi etelebom pregados pregadi Teleske. In the name of Jesus, it is important to recognize something. For a sake of time, I'll end with maybe four or five more scriptures instead of twenty. <laughs> Are you getting the scriptures? They're very important. Very important to get them. Very important. Do you know that you are blood Hallelujah. Say I'm blood God didn't buy you on credit. You are fully paid for. I'll just give you two scriptures along those lines. The scriptures that will help me not to go around too many. So we'll take 1 Corinthians 6 19 and then we'll take 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. Hallelujah. 20. I'll read 20 first. 1 Corinthians 6, 20. I have more than that number of script, those number of scriptures, but for sake of time. in first Corinthians 6, give me from verse 19. Let me read down. It says, What? Know you not that the body is the temple of the Holy, Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? That means you don't own yourself. Alright? Say, I am not my own. Say it again, I am not my own. You know, some of you say, It's my life. <laughs> you are not your own. Verse 20. For ye are bought with a price. Here we are not told what the price is. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God. Say I am bought with a price. Say I am bought with a price. So I don't know how much am I? Amen. How much do I cost? What did I cost God? First Peter 1, 18 and 19 tells us. It says, for as much as ye know, you were not redeemed, you were not bought with corruptible things. Are you getting it? As silver, gold, pounds, dollars. Let's read it in, um, uh, give me NIV, then give me NLT, then message. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your Forefathers. The next NLC. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. Our ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. (laughs) Let's read together. Want to go? It cost God plenty to get you out of that dead end. Empty headed life you grew up in. (laughs) Glory to Jesus. (laughs) Let me start the verse 19 here in message that will go further. 19. He paid with Christ's sacred blood. That's the price. You know he died like an unblemished sacrificial lamb. The same way we came. Back the same way NLT. It was the precious blood of Christ. That's the price. The sinless, spotless lamb of God. NIV. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. King James. But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You know, when I read King James, I feel the anointing. Amen. With the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Hallelujah. Say I was bought with a price. Say, I am blood bought. -bought. Glory to God. Now, I said it for a reason. Let me just jump and say, you are blood bought and blood washed. But let me explain something to you. What this means is that God trades in blood. I know you didn't get it. When God wants something, he believes in blood exchange. Amen. If God wanted, the most important thing God wanted was you and his blood used to bite. It means that there's nothing that blood cannot buy. Oh. Now, God has allowed you benefit from everything blood bought. Are you with me? You know, a lot of times I will have to jump somewhere I didn't plan to go to bring out something. You read Isaiah 53, Isaiah 54, and Isaiah 55. They're all connected. Actually, it starts from 52. It tells us about the servant. Then 53 tells us about the suffering of Jesus. 54 now tells us how to respond to what Jesus did. So he said, sing. Now, when you start singing, it tells you what will happen because you are singing. Enlarge the place of your tent, and blah, 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 blah. Now when it gets to chapter 55, it now tells you that, because of what Jesus did in 53, go to 55-1. Ho, oh, everyone that tested, come ye to the waters. And he that had no money, why? Because blood has already paid. Come ye. Buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. You don't have to pay again for the good things of life. You don't have to pay again. It's been paid for. Say it's been paid for. It's an overpayment. Are you understanding me? Listen to me. They are owing God change. That's why you know that because blood has a voice, Every the inanimate objects respond to the voice of that blood. Money answers to that blood. You heard that statement. I made it some time back when I was teaching you. And we talked about blood. And I explained to you What it is about blood. And I said blood is the mysterious link. Between matter and spirit. When you want to control matter. You use blood. Amen. Are you understanding me? In the realm of the spirit. Blood is understood. And it will compel Physical things to conform. Anytime blood shows up. This thing we do. You know. Blood has cleansed us. Blood also empowers us. So the same blood, you know, you can use water. You can wash yourself with water. You can also drink water. We drink blood. Amen. (laughs) Any day you take communion, you are enforcing blood over a circumstance. Are you listening to me? And this night, when you go back home, take communion. If anything was wrong in your home or around your house or your business, today, blood will speak for you. You are believing God to get married. Now, let blood speak. You will take a drink and you will take bread and open your scripture to 1 Corinthians 10. Am I correct? 11. 11. And read it. Amen. And then partake of the communion. The circumstance for which you have evoked that blood will change. The blood you have a right to make a demand on that blood. Are you with me? Our faith is in Blood. I hope you know that. When they say, we have faith in God. It's not, it's not just faith in a person. No. It's in that blood that touched this earth. When Jesus was pierced, blood and water dropped on the earth. This earth is a witness that Jesus died for you. As you are walking around in port Harcourt, the earth knows It doesn't know whether you, you know. But the earth knows that blood was shed for you. And if you make a demand on what was paid, the earth will release it to you. What is faith? I'll end with this. Faith is displaying the receipts of the blood purchase. Are you understanding me? Are you understanding me? Faith means that you have seen what belongs to you and you show the receipts. Hey, that land is mine. See it. And the the land is released to you. Amen. That house is mine. Amen. Amen. The street is mine. Amen. Are you understanding me? That good thing is mine. Glory to God. As you live here today, and you go and take that communion, now show all your receipts. Amen. Amen. Bring out all your receipts. Amen. I begin to display them. A good husband is mine. A beautiful wife is mine. Amen. As you are showing the receipts. Amen. They will be releasing it to you. You know someone can argue with you once he say, show me the receipts. Tonight you will show receipts. Tonight you will show the receipt. You say healing is mine. You will show the receipts. It was paid for by blood. Amen. Glory to God. Victory belongs to me. 2017 was bought. It's mine in the name of Jesus. Every good thing belongs to me. That contract has been released to me. You show the receipt. Amen. Glory to God. Listen to me. Communion is one of the greatest blood rituals of all time. There is no ritual more powerful than communion. When you take blood and take bread, and that's the body of Jesus Christ, and you, are, you now mix it with tongues, and you are saying, rakata. Do you, you, you know what you are doing? Do you know what you are doing? Do you know what you are doing? They put chicken blood somewhere, things start to turn. You have access. So evoke that blood anytime you need it. Will somebody use the blood tonight? Will somebody use the blood tonight? Rise on your feet, lift your hands everywhere and thank him for blood. And thank him for blood. 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 We give you praise. Thank you for listening to this message. If you have been blessed, you can reach us by email on info at faith2faithonline.org or call us on 234-806-361-3560. You are big, blessed and loaded.